before that, there must be there must be an American election in the offing because Simon Marks is on the line, LBC's Washington editor. It is the New Hampshire primary that concerns us, Simon, and it is the first toe-to-toe battle between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley, about whom I'd like you to tell me a bit more first. Well, yes, and if you're in the mood for a toe-to-toe <laughs> battle between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley, James, I would really focus on what happens today because I've got a feeling that by tomorrow there might not be another one. Uh, Nikki Haley is the former governor of South Carolina and, of course, famously, uh, Donald Trump's former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations until she pulled off an absolutely unique feat. She left Donald Trump. Trump's inner circle. She wasn't forced out. It was her decision to go to quit that role at the United Nations. And she did so in a manner that did not uh, spark any kind of uh, ad hominem attack by Donald Trump against her. In mm. fact, she was even invited to the White House where Donald Trump paid a fulsome tribute to the role that she had played uh, at the United Nations. At the time, we all suspected that she might be thinking of mounting a presidential run in 2024. She didn't actually get into this race until far too late in the day. That's one of the reasons why she has struggled so badly to make much of an impact. But certainly in the last few weeks, she has portrayed herself as the only man or woman that could stop Donald Trump in his tracks. What she is going to discover today in New Hampshire is that she's unable to do so. She wasn't able to do it in Iowa last week, where she disappointed even herself by placing third and she's not going to be able to do it in New Hampshire. The closing poll in New Hampshire, uh, published on the eve of the primary, showed that Donald Trump has extended his lead over her. He's got 60 points, uh, 60% of support among likely Republican voters today to Haley's 38%. So she's going down uh, to defeat. And, uh, you know, it's an extraordinary moment, this, because we always, always traditionally... Uh, sort of look at the New Hampshire primary as the big moment of excitement. This is the beginning of a long trek to the nomination for uh, the leader of the party, uh, whether Democrats mm. or Republicans, and we're all going to spend the next multiple Tuesdays up until one o'clock in the morning waiting for that final vote to be counted in, you know, Kansas or South Dakota. Well, on this occasion, forget it. It is all over. He is absolutely going to be the Republican Party's presidential nominee and and I, I mean i think that the challenge once again for the media is how to report the abnormal um and, and under the or within the parameters of of normal reporting but he is saying even by his standards some extraordinarily awful things uh, legal battles aside indeed legal resolutions aside he um judges had to remind people recently that that, that he has been found to have raped somebody um, this hasn't dented his popularity among the base one jot, but he's also talking about dictatorship in, in, in terms that would normally be chilling, but which in modern America are to be expected. Yes, I mean, to be fair to Donald Trump, he has insisted that he will only be a dictator on day one of his yeah. presidency. Uh, but, of course, that's nonsense, because to achieve his day one goals, which he defines as drill, baby, drill, in other words, trampling over environmental protections designed to prevent oil drilling from taking place all over the country, and sealing the border entirely. Mm. I mean, how you seal a 2,000-mile... Uh, I thought he said he was going to do that last time. Yeah, he said he was... Well, he was going to build a wall oh, last yeah. time. Now, 
now he's talking about on day one sealing it. Well, no president has the power to do that. So even if you're a dictator on day one to attain that goal, you would have to be a dictator on day two, on day three, and so on and so forth. I mean, I think to an extent even more concerning than those impossible goals that he's laid out are plans that his team behind the scenes has drawn up to uh, override the traditional independence this is in, in the post-Watergate mm. era of the Department of Justice. There is nothing in the Constitution that protects the Department's uh, of Justice's independence or impartiality. Uh, Donald Trump is going to strip it of that fig leaf. Uh, there is nothing that anyone can do to stop him from doing that. And he's going to use, he's absolutely clear about yes. this, he's going to use the Department of Justice to go after the Bidens, an organized crime family, he absurdly calls them, uh, to go after people who have wronged him, traitors from within his inner circle last time round, people like former Attorney General William Barr, former White House Chief of Staff General John Kelly, the people who thought they could find accommodations with him in the first term and then, of course, discovered that they couldn't. And he's going to fire tens of thousands of civil servants and the, 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 not the political appointees, mm. but, you know, the, the, the careerists that are always there, that serve administrations of both hues. And he's going to replace them only, he says, with dyed-in-the-wool supporters of his Make America Great Again cause. Those are the underpinnings of dictatorship. When you put people in the cabinet or on the National Security Council who only reflect your very narrow, myopic worldview, that's the beginning of the dictatorship that truly worries people here. Well, I think it's quite kind to describe it in those words, uh, but I appreciate your diplomacy. He also, I think, has uh, announced an intention to release people jailed for joining in the insurrection on January the 6th that he also incited. This, of course, included people baying for the blood at his behest of his own Vice President, Mike Pence. Well, talking about baying, I mean, we've got Congresswoman Elise Stefanik of New York openly auditioning now for the role of Donald Trump's Vice President and describing mm. those inmates jailed by judges having been convicted of deadly acts of violence and rampage on Capitol Hill on January the 6th, 2021 as January the 6th hostages. She said this in an interview on NBC a couple of weekends ago and wasn't challenged by the moderator of the programme. I mean, that's how far the conversation has kind of shifted. That's particularly. what I meant by the parameters yeah. and not knowing exactly. what to do. I've seen, footage, I've seen footage of her hiding from the insurrectionists on January yes, the 6th. Yes, yes, of course, of course. But, I mean, she then had a complete uh, turnaround on the road to Damascus and became <laughs> a vigorous supporter of Donald Trump where previously she hadn't been. So she totally sees the opportunity uh, to curry favour with him. And of course, you know, he has a tradition, James, of he smells weakness. Mm. And it is said that there is nothing he loves more than someone that has previously tried to sort of resist what he's trying to do, then eventually folding and caving in front of him. So I say she's openly auditioning for the role of vice president. He may, he may go in a completely different direction, but he'll be deeply satisfied that she's now using language like absurd language, mm. like January the sixth hostages to describe these people who are serving in many cases lengthy jail sentences for acts of conspiracy against the united states and physical attacks upon the seat of american democracy um there's plenty to talk about simon as the as, as the weeks pass but final question uh, uh the, the the prospect of it not being trump biden or biden versus trump uh, 
it being some other battle, has now almost disappeared. Yeah, yes, with the caveat that, you know, as Harold Macmillan noted, events, dear, dear boy, boy events, events can always change anything. I mean, I, I, I mean, yes, as far as Donald Trump is concerned. I mean, he's going to be the nominee. Mm. I think that, frankly, from tonight, uh, assuming he wins the, the sort of huge victory that he looks like he's going to win in New Hampshire, it will be hard to avoid describing him as the presumed Republican nominee, although yep. I think we have to wait for Haley to drop out of the race formally to do that. Uh, on the Democrat side, Biden is clearly not getting out any time soon. Uh, former New Hampshire Senator Judd Gregg, a Republican, uh, uh, was postulating over the weekend that what Biden might now do is win the Democratic Party's nomination, because there is a primary contest taking place on the Democrat side as well, win that nomination within the course of the next several weeks, you know, by, by the time mm. the daffodils come up. And um, at that point, announce he's stepping down and that okay. he's going to uh, tell his delegates at the convention to vote instead of for him for candidate Y. And he would pick his own successor. Now, you know, uh, could it happen? Yes. At the moment, he doesn't evince any sign of regretting his decision to be in this race. And that, of course, itself privately cause ang causes angst. Uh, among millions of Democrats who would have much preferred that in the late summer or early autumn of last year he'd made a different decision. Uh, and uh, Although there is only four years between the two of them, isn't there, between Biden and Trump, but uh, uh, your, your point stands. Uh, Simon Marks, always a pleasure, uh, a genuinely pleasure to, to talk to you. Always learn more. Always know more at the end of a conversation with Simon Marks than you did at the beginning of it, but this is scary stuff.